There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. What's happening, people? Welcome to this week's episode of It's All Black Academic with your host, myself, Jordan Jarrett's Brian Knife. My jump hasn't blinded you by now. It will do in a few minutes' time. So stick with us and you'll, you'll get through it. This week's show, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun on this week's show, a little bit of lighthearted, not everyday serious <laughs> on It's All Black Academic. Um, we're going to have a discussion and debate around what was the most interesting era to have grown up in. What was the most interesting decade to, to have lived through in your kind of, I suppose, formative years. Um, before I introduce my panel for this week, do not forget to subscribe to our socials. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram. We're on here, obviously, YouTube as well. So please give us a subscribe and you will get all of our weekly content. And of course, we're a podcast as well. So if pods are more your thing, go and find us on the Acast app. We're also on Spotify as well. Right. So this week's show, I'm joined by Nels, Marisa, and Nick. How are we doing, guys? We good? Very all well, good. Good. All good, yeah. good, good, good. Right. So if you're good, I'm good. Right. Let's get into it. So I wanted to have this discussion because it's a little bit fun and I put it out to a few of my friends and they kind of have varying or differing opinions and answers. Yeah. So I thought, okay, there's something, there's something in there. So I've always felt, I'll kick off. I've always felt that the most interesting era in terms of individuals and moments to, to have grown up in would have been the eighties. I've always wished I was a, a youngster in the eighties. I was born in the eighties. But I didn't grow up in the 80s. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll go through varying degrees. And I want to get your answers as to what you think would have been the most interesting era. Mm-hmm. And the only criteria that I'm going to put on it, you can give me as you feel fit, is the most interesting and important moments and figures. So that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be good things. It can be things that were negative, but interesting and yep. interesting times to have lived through with interesting people, albeit not necessarily positive ones. So let me kick off with you, Nick. If I was to ask you, what decade would you say, and we'll go through from the 50s to probably the noughties, what decade would you say would have been the most interesting era to live through? Well, I would, first of all, just like to say, I think the 80s definitely is an interesting era. I think the I'm watching a show called Snowfall um, on FX in mm. America, and it's about the mass cocaine um, scandal and all of that. And it's really interesting to watch that. But from a personal level, growing up and all of that and all the influence that I see now, I would say 
the 90s is an obvious choice. Everyone has that kind of resonation with the 90s and remembers it, I think, um, from a older millennial level. Um, I just think that we had so many moments, the Los Angeles riots. And I see, the thing is, I see a lot of parallels in politics and um, wider culture today mm. with stuff that happened in the 90s. Nipsey Hussle just died, Tupac, Biggie, the Source Awards, hip-hop was at its biggest, its most prolific, its most... Um, aggressive in terms of the music being so um passionate but aggressive in terms of the actual cultural stuff happening outside of it angie martinez still has that two-pack interview which is so fundamentally sought after mm -hmm. by so many people and she'll release it in her own time but i feel like a lot of things happen politically the clintons for example um destiny's child the rise of them being to popular culture so i'm going to get you to quantify the 90s in just a minute we'll go through why you feel the yeah. 90s um let me just ask you you guys as well just briefly first of all nell start with you which decade for you do you think was the most interesting decade to have grown up in? I think it's, it, it doesn't really slot perfectly into a decade. But I think from that time, that post-war era from about 55 to about, to the late 60s, mm -hmm. right into perhaps into the 70s, so, so much happened. There was so much change that took place within that time frame. Of course, the Cultural Revolution, but also too, if I, if I think of the most, perhaps would have been the most inspiring place for me to be in my lifetime growing up, possibly been to, to have been a young boy in Accra in 1957 as Ghana gained its independence, mm -hmm. the first black African nation um, that was subject to colonialism and also to really gain their independence. See Kwame Nkrumah speaking of... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In terms that perhaps today we perhaps frown on, but on those days they're revolutionary, in which he's speaking of, hey, there's a new black man who can run his own affairs, who can do other things. And, yeah. and then from there, it snowballs Nigeria, Sierra Leone, the Caribbean, yeah. to across their borders, across different things. And the wind of change that was blowing through society. So culturally, that was the kind of 10 to 15 years you think, think would have been the most interesting. Politically and culturally, it, there's an argument there. Yeah, I think that probably would, there's so much change going on in the air, particularly for us as black people, mm -hmm. that it would be hard to think of, uh, there's so much, and so much opportunity to shape the future, mm -hmm. to really make a mark on where we would be in 10, 15, 20, 25, 50 years till this very day. Okay, let me pause there for a second. Marisa, what decade for you do you think in terms of individuals and moments was the most interesting? 
Now, for me, I kind of feel like it's a little bit earlier than the time that you're talking about. You pick. So I'm quite interested in the 40s. Okay. And I say that because, I mean, for example, thinking about the Windrush era, yeah. it was a time where I feel there was a very cultural, um, we had strong cultural senses of who we are and what we were about. Mm-hmm. And we were very hopeful in that period of time. And, you know, when I look at the imagery that comes from, for example, the 1948 Windrush when people came to uh, Caribbean people were coming to the UK, you had this sense of of pride. You know, we were carrying ourselves a certain way. Mm-hmm. We came with this, we are a people and we know who we are and we know what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I, in a, in a period of nostalgia, I like that. I like the innocence of that space and, and being in a place where you the, the world is ahead of you and you have this whole new future to think about and there's nothing yet tainted. And I also like it for the fact that even though it, there was obviously the post-war era was sort of um, in that space, that as a woman, we women were finding themselves in that era as mm-hmm. well. Women were being recognized for their capabilities, for example, on the back end of the war and what they were helping to do. And it changed things. I mean, interestingly, divorces rocketed after the war because women suddenly <laughs> realized that actually, I don't know if I need this. I can do it on my own. I mean, <laughs> I've got this in oh, um, but it was a time when I feel like as a woman, we were finding ourselves. Mm-hmm. Plus I'm really into fashion. So mm. I like the, the fashion for that era. You know, it was all about, you know, the strong female silhouette. It was the heels. It was the firm. Mm-hmm. It was a classy era. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that aspect of it as well. Mm. Okay. So let's go through some decades then, and we're going to try and come to some kind of consensus as a, <laughs> group probably won't but so again what what i'm looking for is individuals moments politically culturally musically sports um all those things which for me sum up uh what makes a great decade or a great year then extended from here so let's go from the 50s Mm -hmm. the only things from the 50s i've managed to kind of pick out the, the, the three significant things from the 50s were the birth of rock and roll yeah migration so many people, as you mentioned there, yeah. spilled into the 50s, moving to the UK, and the TV invented, which obviously was a massive mm-hmm. moment, I suppose, in, yeah. in, in the world. Can, anybody, can anybody imagine what it would have been like to have grown up in the 50s when TV for the first time was invented? Really I think so too. Definitely I a moment so because it kind of, this is what I'm saying, history always repeats itself. So in a way, it kind of reminds me of growing up with the first <laughs> computer and I've seen the evolution of the laptop mm. to the iPad even in that in this generation now. So for the TV, something on its standalone, no other technology really except for the radio um, standing with it. It must have been revolutionary. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. To see like the coronation, all these kind of mm-hmm. events that happen in Britain on that screen if you were fortunate enough to own one or have access to someone's room that had one it must have been a phenomenon Mm -hmm. a crazy phenomenon nationally and internationally i I think there's power to putting faces to voices yeah because you say prior to that point it would have been radio wireless that's what everybody would have connected with and you know we've we've all had that where you're familiar with somebody's voice and then you see that person and you go i have no idea you look like that i had no idea you were that sort of person the mannerisms yeah and i think that's the first time you start to that people start to see themselves yeah. In mm, other yes. places and in other yeah. places. Yeah. That's, that's, you make a phenomenal point there. Just the other day, go back to perhaps I think it was some point in the sixties too. Mm. The, what you said about putting a face to TV, putting a, a face to a voice, yeah. and thinking of um, 
and the impact television had, and also to the impact television has as a political tool for empowerment mm -hmm. um, in liberation struggles, particularly for black liberation struggles in North America in particular. Yeah. Um, I remember just the other day I was on Twitter and somebody just put up a picture, a video, about a 20-second clip, and they said, I bet you'd never heard Rosa Parks' voice before. And it just mm -hmm. dawned on me, I'd never heard Rosa Parks speak. Mm -hmm. And I always thought Rosa Parks would be this. You see the picture of her. Mm. And, you, and you, I never even heard the radio speak. But they, and you think that she would be a softly spoken, quietly with a really high pitched voice. She wasn't. Mm. She was. <laughs> she spoke yeah. kind of like herself with, with power and power. strength and yeah. determination in her voice or so. And she clearly knew what she wanted. Yeah. And it just really gave a new perception of um, of Rosa Parks to me altogether. So I just was, okay, that's yeah. interesting. It's that impact that television had. So, and yeah. Also, just to pick up as well, um, politi political figures in um, especially American politics, the way they navigated, the t that was the start of the TV debates, the national debates, mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan, mm -hmm. so that he was part of the success was the televised debates and all of that, the Clintons. Um, so what started with the TV and mannerisms and stuff like that continued to now to these days as well. So there's so much lineage. And it was that. then used as a tool to try and get in power. They Definitely. used the power of television yeah. to be able to sell themselves. The role of the, the media, yeah. the role of charisma, the role of who are Completely. you beyond the politics. Um, I must forget about rock and roll too at the same time. Go on, too, yeah. The role, the rise of rock and roll. I don't know. If we think of all of our greats today right now, we think of Stevie, mm. we think of uh, Michael Jackson, of course we think of Prince, mm. we think of um, Jay-Z, Nas, everybody else. So. But the person who was the father of all of them is still alive. Mm -hmm. No one really thinks of Little Richard when we're thinking of uh, the, actual, the, the birth of, not just when you're thinking of the godfather of black music to some degree, mm -hmm. you've really got to mention Little Richard. You know, Long Tour Sally, um, you name it. And he just, it's just somebody who's still living, still very much with, with his capacity mm. to his very day, living with dignity, a pioneer on many different levels though and also too if you're thinking of the cultural appropriation as far as actually the parallel so started then it started yeah then yeah with little richard and a man called pat Boone, who is also yeah. still alive today actually a fox news <laughs> um a fox news um, commentator <laughs> whose job was literally quite the record labels would they'll get little richard's song little richard would perform it whether it's tootie fruity long tour sally all these great records that we know today and they'll give it to Pat Boone and say, can you re-record it? Mm -hmm. yeah. So white audiences would listen to it. So Little Richard would get a tiny bit of money. Pat Boone would get loads of money. Yeah. And now Pat Boone's turned out as an old, bitter conservative. These are parallels that exist with Iggy Azalea to this day. So, exactly. You know. Let's move it forward now, yeah. guys, to the 60s. So I've got a list here of the liber liberation of sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, the birth of the birth control pill, sorry, Fidel Castro, first James Bond oh, movie, God. Marilyn Monroe dies, the feminist movement, the I Have a Dream speech, Kennedy assassinated, Ali turned Muslim, Mandela sentenced to prison, civil rights act signed by Martin Luther King. The 60s, go. Now, I feel like... That was the first era that I learned about historically in terms of who we are as a people. Like, I remember being totally devastated at school when I was waiting for the Black History um, year and we got to it and we got to the semester and everything and it was like a lesson and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, there was slavery, then there wasn't. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm waiting for this time to be told this. Oh, and so God. it made me do my own research and my research at that time at 15 took me to the Malcolm X, the Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement, this conversation about us rising up to argue about who we were and talk about coming together and to fight against the, I suppose, um, 
the the, the government and mm. the, the various structures that were in place that were in some way binding our voices. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we recognised that there was all this appropriation that was going on and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're going, hang on, we want mm-hmm. to reclaim mm-hmm. us and who we are and mm-hmm. what we're about. So that for me was the era when I first started to say, well, this is what black is. Mm-hmm. And then I started to go backwards after that, but that was the first space for me. And then, of course, when you even though it's in the 90s, when we started to get movies like Malcolm X and those sorts of films that started to give Mm -hmm. imagery (laughs) around that era, it it made it feel like, you know, it was good. On top of that, my parents were born in that decade as Mm. well. Um, So I remember my mum talking about, you know, yes, you know, my grandmother was the first woman on the street to have her TV and have Mm -hmm. a colour television. And it was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) You were mostly, mostly, you know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like that's the era where we we really were about claiming blackness. And and that for me was what resonates with me. I've I've also got here, Malcolm X was assassinated, the Watts riots. Um, first man on the moon, Sidney Poitier, my mum tells me, was the biggest star yeah. um, in, in, in that decade. Black, Black Panthers, yeah. the birth of, of them. Do you know what? It's very interesting because I feel like for white people in this period, it was a kind of almost full-on liberation, like fun, careless. They didn't care what mm. was going on. They could live, you know, the sex, drugs, rock and roll, all of that. That was paradigm for them. But for us, it was a tale of two stories. So the stuff you highlighted just now, um, very positive stuff, you know, empowerment, mm-hmm. what you just said, we, we started to come together. We started to really, on a global scale, because in the fact that we get taught American black history yeah. um, in schools to this day in Britain um, is... On a level, obviously, it highlights that America's um, hegemonic in some ways, but then it also highlights as well how, as a world, we came together on those Takala TVs and watched our struggle live from across the world and realised that, you know, wherever we are across the world, we have to come together, we have to empower each other, and we have to fundamentally realise who we are as peoples beyond the white structures and to fight, and to fight for our rights, to fight for all of this kind of... um, political power which through the black panthers which did exist here too um created change and created um, stuff that still um lingers on to this day can you imagine those what it would have been like being a 16 17 18 year old boy in the time when malcolm x and martin luther king Mm. were doing their thing it would have been fascinating it would have been fascinating (laughs) jewish situation i think just deep that for a second like man i do think we romanticize these things a little bit okay sometimes but once we romanticize these things because it's kind of like i I saw with fella kuti for example i saw a shift in him for example fella kuti has now become this person who's embraced by everybody yeah Back in the 90s, when I, my dad liked him, my dad was pretty much one of these fronting middle class, upper middle class Nigerians <laughs> who liked to pretend like he was a man of the people. So yeah. he always just listen to Fela Kuti I love it. in that regard. Or so, But then it was actually a working class phenomenon. Yeah. The upper middle class is despite, they just looked, looked at him almost in a yeah. bit of a jokey, jokey way. Mm-hmm. He wasn't yeah. taken seriously. Now he's been embraced in retrospect and death. Mm. And the same thing with Martin and Malcolm, for example. They've become very popular in death. But in life, it wasn't as widely received as it was right now. There were actually people who actively worked against them. But if I, if I just want to touch on the actual 60s in particular, I think perhaps the biggest thing that actually took place, I think starting in 57, but the majority of African and Caribbean states um, received their essentially freedom or at least nominal explicit freedom on paper freedom or yeah. so within that time frame. And one of the beautiful things that took place within that time frame is that they didn't view each other as almost in a balkanized or separate manner as we do a little bit today, mm-hmm. that Martin Luther King 
was there when Ghana attained its independence in 1957. In fact, that was the first time he ever met Richard Nixon. In fact, there's actually a very funny story in which Nixon, Richard Nixon was going around to every black person he could meet, trying to rub the Brits' face in it, saying that, how does it feel to be free? How does it feel to be free? And all the Ghanaians said, oh, Mr. Nixon, it feels very, very great. Thank you very much. And then he went to one particular man and said, how does it feel to be free? And the man responded with a deep Alabama drawl and said, I wouldn't know. I'm from Alabama, you mm -hmm. see. So I'm um, mm -hmm. Richard Nixon was vice president of America Ooh. at the time. So, Ouch. but the key Ooh. thing over there too is that, um, so yeah, so the funny thing about but that period in which all these guys, all these nations were receiving their independence or so. And if you go back to read Malcolm X's autobiography where he spoke of his parents, um, in UI, UNIA meetings, um, United Nation, um, United Negro meeting, meeting yeah. I can't remember the actual acronym. But they would actually speak of Africa being free one day yeah. when he was a little boy and then see it come to fruition and seeing them all come together. It was something really phenomenal, a dream that was born. There's power in that. It was power in it. Um, let's move forward now to the 70s. Uh, a few notes I've got here. Vietnam War, the Watergate scandal, abortion becoming legal in the States, um, the, the birth of punk, Arthur Ashe becoming the first African-American to win Wimbledon, mm -hmm. Elvis found dead, Bowie Bowie even at his peak. Star Wars um, was was born. Platform shoes and flares. The freakish summer um, in the UK. Afro hairstyles. <laughs> Muhammad Ali in his prime. Motown at its oh. peak. You had stars like Marvin Gaye, Supremes, and the Jackson Fives. Yeah. Would that be the decade that you would like to? You want to change your mind and choose the seventies maybe as a decade that would have been the most interesting to have lived through. For the partying. <laughs> Maybe. But for the old stuff, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Like I feel like actually in a weird way, the seventies is the decade I least resonate with. Okay. Um now I say that interestingly because um I'm an eighties baby. Mm -hmm. Um that what I find is obviously within my say peer circle or dating in the past, I've dated men who were born in the seventies. Mm -hmm. I can't get with their music. Like I'm it, some of it is too much and and I can't get with some of the views so for me I feel like it was kind of a, a period of time where I feel like I'm glad I came a little bit later okay. you know I appreciate the Motown I appreciate that aspect of it but I almost feel like maybe the freedoms that we started to express within the 60s kind of just went a little overboard mm. in the 70s like everyone was kind of losing their minds <laughs> you know and, mm. and and I feel like it took us time to to recalibrate some mm, of that mm, and, yeah, and yeah, to I get that back into that. perspective yeah. so for me not so much no. from a music perspective that for me seems to be the first decade where black musicians and black artists really were getting their credits and yeah, getting their definitely. exposure we were making black music and great music before the yeah, 70s yeah, of course, but this seems to be the first decade where it was like we're making stars, not just one or yeah. two. We're running the show now. Globally. I think yeah. definitely you're right with the, the formulas um, that came from the 70s and how they, um, the Motown, the, the formula that they kind of curated, mm. um, the machine, how they a created it. Yeah. Um, and that still exists to this day. LaFace Records would not be here without Motown mm -hmm. Records. Mm -hmm. um, LA Reads Blueprint would not be here Amen. without yeah. what happened in the Motown. And I actually watched Motown this year in January um, with some of Dat's pod. Um, and it was just so amazing to see it in action. Obviously, you weren't there, but just to see how incredible that production was, you know, the prims, the proper, the hair, the makeup, the, mm -hmm. you have to dress like, you have to dance like this, you have to be, you have to 
tap darts, all this kind of stuff to get to the top of the charts. And you have to work, obviously you have to work 10 times as hard, but without the Motown era and some of the fundamentals, white people, black people, mm-hmm. MJ, you know, um, Janet, all of these people here would not have got their blueprint, would not have got the stamps of approval, would not have got the how to be a star, how to do the media, how to work um, an international tour, mm-hmm. how to come to Britain, mm-hmm. how to come to um, um, Berlin, all these European countries, Asia. Um, the Motown, Motown will always live on for that. Their blueprint beyond the music. Mm-hmm. They laid a foundation that record labels still use to this day. So it's so important. Uh, fashion was mentioned earlier on. Do you think that this was maybe a prolific decade for, for fashion? Even horrendous. <laughs> In my, in my, sorry, my, I mean, in the seventies, my dad, my dad lived in my dad moved to the UK. Nab, in the nab, 70s. Afro, and he had all the Afro and everything else. The Afro was nice. The Afro was actually probably not like, the best. It was the, the right only show. good thing. <laughs> yeah. the, the flares and the, those funny boots they're wearing and everything. The, the funny shoes with the high heels. It's like, nah. I don't know where they were going with those. I'm actually fine. I think that the Afro. I think that the Afro. Even when you see the young, you see Michael Jackson in his teens or so with his brothers, and they're dancing with the afro and you see the clothes like the afro is beautiful but the clothes are just good gracious Ooh. me and i feel shocking. like black black men were their most confident with hairstyles back then yeah like, there's a there's a confidence that doesn't resonate as much today yeah. like there's a there's a barrier today i think it's coming back though it I think, is I think it you is, see more but... and more black men wear their hair natural and yeah. having locks and having their hair out so i think mm. it's slowly coming back around yeah. to this is my hair and i'm gonna have it as it's supposed to be us. Yeah, I hope it res- you know I mean? some resonates with like, <laughs> some, maybe not. With not so much. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's move past 70s and that wasn't, no, no, nobody's feeling that. The 80s now. Yay. Right, so this was, uh, this is my, this is my shout. So I've got uh, the Thriller album from Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, Maradona in football, the birth of the internet, although it was kind of going before, but this one, it really seemed to really make its mark. The 1980s Olympics, Olympics in Russia, boycotted. Uh, Charles and Diana getting married. That was watched by 700 million people. Fucking 700 hell. million that's, people that's crazy. watched that globally um, when they got married. Uh, wow. The assassination of Reagan. MTV was born. The Falklands War. CDs were born. I've got here uh, cocaine mm-hmm. produced en masse. That's mm-hmm. the decade when it seemed to be the real big, yep. real big thing, a real big business. First mobile phone, Apple Mac, Mike Tyson becoming the youngest world champion. I've got Thatcher here becoming prime minister, although I believe it was seventy nine. So was maybe seventy nine. Yeah. Right, okay. It was the attempt assassination of Reagan. Attempt. Was, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And the fall of the Berlin Wall and Hillsborough. Yeah. This for me feels Ooh. like the most packed yeah. decades in terms of the last fifty years, anyway, sixty years. Yeah. Are you with me on the eighties? Yeah, because I feel like it was a massive transitional space. Yeah. Um, that gave birth to then the 90s, mm. which still resonates, I think, very much today. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm with you because you missed one, though, Diana Ross. Chain Reaction had... <laughs> fair enough, fair right. enough. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> no, but oh, it was. No. I feel like it was, a, it was a time of huge transition, and you're right. At this point, we have become established in so many spaces. We're established in the sports world. We're established in the music world. And yeah. There's a voice given to us. I feel like... And, and that's why I'm so glad I was born in that decade, actually, because I feel like it's that space where you have enough nostalgia and knowledge to remember the past and where things were coming from, mm-hmm. but you're also modern enough to be able to step into the future of where things were going, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that at the beginning of that decade, you had, you know, the half penny where, you know, we had, <laughs> it's true, like, yeah, it is, oh, it is. Yeah, so right now, it's 
Yeah, you said that to people. Now they're like, what? But by the end of it, you know, we were we were in that space where we were ready to be liberated and to be Mm. liberating. Mm. I think actually made it really powerful, and that for me. I'm so happy about the fact that we had things like the Olympics. We had key sports figures who we could look up to and out. And that's when we started to see ourselves in different spaces, in different ways mm-hmm. that, you know, started that space for expansion. So I'm with you. I'm so happy I'm an 80s baby. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, Nell, so if I'm a sports person. Sports is my thing. That seemed to me like there were two or three really key, I've mentioned there already, big sporting moment. So Mike Tyson, first of yep. all, becoming the world champion, I believe at 19 years old, which is just weird to kind of think someone could achieve that so young. The, the, <laughs> the Olympics in in Russia that was boycotted and we saw the fallout from that, that was where sports properly crossed over into politics yep. and to mm-hmm. culture as well. And also, I'll give you 68 with the Black True, true, the true. Yeah, Absolutely. that's yep. true. In the second one, I'll, I'll give yep. you that one. Yeah. And the third moment was the 1986 World Cup where Maradona scored for me the greatest footballing goal ever where he beat the whole England team big twice, man, pretty man. much. It's a big man. And in the hand of God goal, that for, from a sports point of view, yep. is that the decade that maybe had the yeah. biggest moments? Carl Lewis, Daley Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of uh, Linford Christie for me was the 80s. I love the, just again, I don't know, at the time, ever I peaked at, Nine in the eighties, <laughs> but but for of you, at the time or so, I was fascinated with the Union Jack. I didn't really know much about history or anything else, so, yeah. but I just loved. I don't know, Linford Christie in particular for me. I don't know, seeing him, Ben Johnson, which mm-hmm. we must not forget too mm-hmm. in the eighties or so, mm-hmm. which was like a really really sharp moment. Again, you got this, and then was it, that was the very Olympics, or was it? It was the Olympics, wasn't it? Which um, then Ben Johnson was disqualified, then cut, and then um, Linford Christie, Linford Christie, mm-hmm. then got was it yeah. the gold medal or silver? Did he move up to silver? I believe he moved up to. I think he went to silver. Yeah, yeah. silver. They changed. Yeah, pride yeah. of seeing all those things so from a sporting perspective it was absolutely amazing there was I think for the interest of balance because hey this is what we have to do there were some dark things that were well I was going to get to the yeah it wasn't all good yeah, 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 it was the growth of the crack epidemic in America so yeah. but also too when you think of things like the growth of the um, what we still have to grapple with today the um, the comic relief picture the African child don't get me wrong, growth of famine, of course, to some degree, but then the perpetuation of the image of the African child as being, or the African as being woefully inept and in desperate need of charity yeah, in perpetuity or so. And that became normalized and it had an impact, not just on Africans back home or so, but us over here, because as we all know, there's no separating black people. Mm-hmm. It's all pretty much yeah. failure is collective, all, um, unfortunateness or failure is collectivized amongst us as success is individualized. So that's, that persistent portrayal of Africans in particular as being a pace of absolute darkness became a major thing mm. in the 80s. And it's something that we still grapple with till this very day. Definitely. There's something else as well. The, the, the National Front, although yes. I believe was born in the late 70s, yeah. really made its mark yeah. in, the, in, in the 80s, I believe. And, you know, that was... Black people, 18, yeah. black people being chased down streets and beaten was a was a prominent yeah. uh, thing that was happening during that decade as well. So yeah, it wasn't all wasn't all good. Yeah. I feel like we started to become almost visible in a way that white people did not anticipate. Like we had Michael Jackson, we had Prince, we had the Olympics, we had so many prolific figures, many MTV, you know, MWA, exactly, hip-hop being birthed almost around that time as well, or um, rising to prominence. And that was when the aggression really started mm. and the social stuff started to come yeah, in. Really Project housing in the US, like it started to become a big thing. Mm-hmm. The crack ep- epidemic being associated with black people. Um, it was a very important era for in terms of um, how 
systemically the ways of the past evolved into suppressing black people into the ways that are still replicated today. Mm -hmm. So it kind of it changed. You dismissed the seventies for fashion. The eighties worked much better. Let's 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 have it right. <laughs> big hair and shoulder pads. No, I like I didn't. <laughs> no, you're That's having it. No, <laughs> no, big hair and shoulder. I didn't have to wear them. So to be fair, so as for us ladies, you know, big hair and shoulder pads. I, I'm still completely obsessed with big hair. Okay, completely obsessed. Like when I'm not braided, I'm like big hairs hair, multi mm. hair. So I, I, I actually feel like it was a <clears> period um, where. You know, fashion just got a little bit, it was all brighter. Everything was like sequins and shimmery mm -hmm. and it was eye-catching. Mm -hmm. And what I actually like about that era, because I agree with you, probably wasn't the absolute best. It was better than the 70s. It wasn't the absolute best. <laughs> but it was also a time where people were starting to become more individualized. Yeah. Like I feel like in the 70s, it was kind of this whole, well, we're all wearing bell bottoms now. Whereas in the 80s, people started going in different directions with their fashion. Trying a little ting, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some of yeah. it worked. Some, some of it didn't work as well. You know, And on top of that, how can we dismiss the Jericho? I mean, come on I was now. coming to the Jericho as well. Ooh, I was coming boy. to the Jericho. Ooh. It's not a good thing. It's it was a thing. It was a moment. It was a moment. It was what not to do with your hair. And what many of us were subjective. <laughs> just question, did any of us have a curl here or so? Did anybody, was anybody there with the, with the activator no, or so? No, so no, no, like, no, no. I, I was the, oh, yes. I was subjective. I must ask you one question. Yes. Did it drip? Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, okay. did, you, did you ruin sofas? I ruined all sorts of things. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously. And I'll tell you what made it worse was like, like, I used to play a lot of sports and I'll never forget the days when you were playing netball in the rain and the activator out of your hair was glued to your eyes and it would burn Lord. because you'd have to still shoot in pain, the air. Pain, pain, I remember pain. the day I begged my mum to stop putting Jericho in my hair. I was like, I will do anything to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah I grew that out yeah. as soon as I could. Pain. Pain. <laughs> there must be a cool. billionaire somewhere right now who's still living off that profit. Still got it. Still got it. It's not because we watched Nipsey Hussle's funeral. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. I wonder if we're going to see any Jerichos around here. <laughs> 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 because, you know, the old school OG blood or Crip who just hasn't let it go is there. Like, yeah. Old um, Snoop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and, and in terms of individuals, was this the decade as well that we seem to have big black individuals? I'm thinking again of people like Mike Tyson. Yeah. Megastar. Uh, Michael Jackson, Broke mega records. star. Like, do you know what I mean? We, 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 we had black individuals who were huge, massive yeah. in, in this decade Prince. as well. Even Prince, yeah. Prince, Prince the UK exactly. Perspective, even if you think of everyone like activism level, so the growth of guys like Dark as Hell, for example, who became really, really big, really big. No, not Martin Luther King big, but Nationally, as far as media is concerned, yeah, yeah. you wanted them on your platform, so mm -hmm. you need to speak to you need to speak to you need to these are people you want to know what's going on. But yeah, I think that that was the growth of the of the big. Black. We had people House. we could see on we TV rose to a who were the biggest and best in the world. Let's keep it one thou wow. Let's keep it. Let's keep it one thou. Let's one one thou wow. One thousand. Okay. Right. Michael Jackson was. Remember the eighties when you watching Michael Jackson TV? You see grown men just fainting in the front row. Yeah. So with the children. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm <laughs> saying. The news national like national yeah. news stopped like, for his video premiere. Yeah. That is that's mad. How is and, national? And my mum talks a, a lot about. I believe it was the eighties. The first time. The thriller video. Yeah, video? yeah, iconic, yeah, yeah iconic. That was something that a lot of black people, my mum tells Stopped. me, was was a real big moment because it was the first time a black iconic music music musician 
had his own video and it was like 14 minutes long or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like a mini movie. It yeah. was. Do you know what I mean? It was a really yeah. big deal where she talks about the family literally down around the table watching yeah. this. Every year that is I mean? still played in some households. And I think you said um, in the 50s, obviously the rock and roll era, that birthed incredible music. But this is where pop popular culture like we inserted ourselves in popular culture mm -hmm. and there was no one on mj's level mm -hmm. at that point there was no one challenging mj um and he he had his own stamp mm -hmm. yeah. on history and he was creating trends not just as a musician but as a mogul yeah too that michael jackson as a businessman definitely Unbelievable. the whole jacksons yeah. that whole imprint yeah. was was there um let's get to the 90s now so i'll let you kick off as well i'll interrupt you at the start of this as well <laughs> the 90s um fashion was changing and getting better yes, um definitely. britain seemed to be diversifying <laughs> a little bit as well this seems to be the first decade i remember where i remember seeing more and more people that looked like me out and about yeah. we weren't with we were the minority but not the minority yeah you kind of get what i mean mm. um sitcoms as well this, is, this seems to be the, well. the decade where yep. we had lots of american and uk sitcoms everywhere every minute there was a 30 Definitely. minute program on yeah, yeah. the 90s picture <clears throat> oh gosh okay so um as i said in the beginning i think a lot of the parallels which we have to this day um still exist um because of the 90s and because of that foundation i'm not i'm discrediting every any other era i think they all compounded to build what the 90s was but i think cardi b she wouldn't be there without Lil' Kim, um, Nipsey Hussle, parallels, complete parallels to Tupac. There's so many pieces out about the comparisons between their life. Um, Los Angeles riots, very, mm -hmm. um, very prolific and something that's to an extent been replicated through things like Black Lives Matter and some of the issues mm -hmm. that they deal with as well. Mm. I think with like the rise of Destiny's Child, there were more people that reached that superstar level that Michael Jackson kind of created the blueprint Perfect. for. Yeah. Um, Beyonce was then learning the industry and all of that kind of stuff and what she's been able to do from the 90s. We were discussing earlier um, how Beyonce survived so many eras and she got all her kind of stamps from that era mm -hmm. and how to be a star, how to get all the accolades. The Source Awards, <coughs> iconic for hip hop, that hip hop moment where the um, the West Coast versus the East Coast. That's where hip hop really started to sprout its head from different areas just beyond New York. Um, and I think, yeah, Angie Martinez, the birth of how radio became important and the yeah. radio personality and the hip hop personality, they started to become money in music as well. I was going to um, say, in hip hop, that seemed to be the era where the message was always there. Yeah. We had the message with a bit of style yeah. and money now. It was we, we actually <laughs> owned... Part, partly we actually owned hip hop a bit more than we do now back yeah. then. So it was an era of black, um, I hate to use this, but like black excellence in terms of like, we were all living that luxury dream. If you made it, you actually made it financially as well. In most cases, yeah. in most cases, we don't want to forget LaFace Records um, and Tony Braxton and all that, but we don't want to forget and um, TLC of course. But um, I think it was just an era where there were many of us in popular culture. There were many of us thriving. There were many of us winning. And I think um, the OJ Simpson, so important yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. that um, good and bad, but we, we just owned, we just owned a lot of spaces. Indeed. We owned a lot of spaces back then. What are your thoughts on the nineties? What do you remember? The, who are the, the figures? Oh, stand out across any anything that, that really Cleopatra I want to say as well for the UK yeah, as well Petra. so important <laughs> it's really not but cool. <laughs> it, it is okay. it okay. is for young black come on for young black people come on there's nothing like it today <laughs> there's nothing like it she's still in a tribute you're yeah. right you're right I feel like one of them for me Mary J Blige yes like that was all the that was when we learned all of her lyrics 
you know, felt her hardships through love and uh, yeah, all of that, and and learned about this kind of artistry that became born out of challenge and difficulty yeah. and and things that we could resonate with. One thing I will say though, because I agree with everything you said about the nineties, and I love, I do genuinely love that era, and still to this day. But one thing I do think um, it did was I think it, the nineties damaged equality. Mm. and our concept of masculinity and femininity. And I say that because I feel like a lot of women, you know, we got mixed messages. We, On one hand, we were hearing the music of people like Mary J. Blige and singing along with that, basically saying, I'm waiting for my knight in shining armour. But conversely to that, well, I'm a nineties girl and I don't need a man and I don't need this, that and the other. Mm. And I feel like that dichotomy between us understanding what masculinity, femininity, independence, and all of the nuances between those things really were, became very blurred. And I feel like because women were starting to become financially more secure by themselves and starting to develop careers that were (coughs) fulfilling, quote, men, that actually it made things probably more difficult when it came to understanding what true equality really means. Mm. And I say that because I think there's a massive difference between fairness and being treated equal. And I say that because I don't want to be treated as a man, as a woman, but I do want to have fair representation Mm -hmm. for my Mm -hmm. views and my skills as a woman. But I feel like those lines became blurred and I feel like we're still in a space now where we're really trying to recapture what some of those definitions truly mean. And I actually think that's where that era became a little bit damaging but do you feel like do you feel like the um masculinity femininity all of that was defined before because i feel like in some in some instances they were in um isolated and they were in a space where it was kind of um almost respectability and it wasn't it wasn't full breadth of that so i feel like you're right but then maybe unlocking all of those was what was needed to happen to then redefine and reclaim it. Quite possibly. I just feel like it's taken a really long time. Definitely, I mean, I we're still that. in that space right now where we're actually now having those conversations. And I think a big part of that was just where we were trying to get to this equal footing. But I think just people got the word equal wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I always think equality doesn't really mean equality. And even when we think about it on a gender basis, on a race basis, mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean that. We haven't gotten to that space. Oh, definitely not. So yeah, I just I, I just feel like as much as it did so many positive things yeah. for us as a people of colour and from a gender perspective, I also feel like it blurred lines that we haven't yeah, really critic, yet. Critic, critic, yeah, I've just critic, got to wrap sorry. up with, um, let's go very briefly go through <clears throat> the noughties. I've got here Craig David, 9-11, MJ died, the London bombings, Obama and the economic collapse was that another packed decade of moments and big figures and big things happening i think so yeah definitely from the, i'll speak on this from the uk perspective because yeah, yes. right now yeah. when you think of popular culture and everything else but music by default you yeah, can't but go to you, popular culture you, you as far as black music is concerned uk we're having a bit of a moment we're doing quite mm-hmm. well right now and i want to take us back to a there's some uh, there was what if I think of the actual, the noughties or so, mm-hmm. and I think of that one element or area within the UK that actually helped us get to where we are, there was a small channel called Channel U, w, yeah. that really and truly, Speak that I see that as the research and development um, unit for all Please UK music till this very day. And, and right it's funny, now. just I'll let you finish, but at the time, I remember poo-pooing it. I remember being at college when that when Channel U yeah. kind of bust. And I remember thinking, what's this little two-bar man with his phone <laughs> filming stuff? I'm like, what's some kind of e You know yeah. what I mean? But you're right. It, Looking back now, the yeah, thing it was is, very, very important. It, it was, it, it, it's not been properly documented as to how influential a channel that was. Because it gave 
every there's moments in hustle and flow when they say what hip hop's really about is that's from the blues to um, yeah. to soul to everything else. It's everything coming into one place, and every man and woman has the right to contribute a verse. Mm. And I think that's what channel you did. Before there was a YouTube, it granted everybody in the UK, didn't it? How good or how poor you Definitely. were, the opportunity to, to contribute make a, video. Yeah, a verse. To do. do your little thing, and I loved. It was te- woefully bad, but it was glorious to watch. But there were gems on there, there too. There were gems because it was like you all the better. It's kind of like you're seeing so much stuff that was really, really bad. Mm. But it was it's so bad, bad, it was actually great to watch. Yes, and also too, when the gems come across, it'd be a clash neck off, a skinny man. You can start, you can argue an end of course, yeah, you can argue, yeah, yeah. You can argue POW, for example, Pow, which came out through that, where they had definitely. to go reshoot the video to go onto MTV Base and all those different things. So I think for me, when I think of the noughties, that period or so, I think where we're coming into our own, mm. <clears> where we're finding ourselves as a society, particularly from a black. British perspective. Definitely. Largely within that platform, as far as culture is concerned, getting to where we are right now. Definitely. Um, I just want, yeah. I just, um, grime, funky house. I want to say that's what I'm saying. It's a vehicle, Channel U. And because, like Jesse Bernard says, um, popular music journalist, he, um, says that we have a problem with documenting. Channel U is so important in so documenting important. that. What we remember, and even when it changed to Channel AK, but still the foundation mm-hmm. for that grime what they had to face with the police mm-hmm. to this day it still exists with the, par- the parallels with drill i think yeah black british um kaching cbc all of that i think it was such an important era for us and i think we will look back like americans look back on hip-hop on grime and we still we do grime and we just spoke about it on my podcast last week grime is like a luxury almost now and drill is the kind of underground oh, thing yeah. it's, it's graduated into that realm and it's so important for what happened in um in past eras the, just finally the biggest political moment i can remember because i remember where i was and it's a really significant yeah. moment for me was 9 yeah. 11. i remember exactly Same. where i was i was with my friend stephen after college he was bunking it was, <laughs> was, 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 was in his house and i remember he was, was playing some mer some crazy game called mer thing he was playing it and the tv next to him it had Sky News on yeah. and it was it was rolling live coverage of what yeah. was going on. And I remember that is probably the single biggest moment. Everyone has a moment in their lives, where, no matter how old you are, you remember. whether it's 60, 70, whatever. That for me is probably the single biggest moment I remember. How big a moment was that? It was huge. I remember actually seeing that happen. I remember being um, in a kitchen. It was one of my earliest jobs. Um, I was a really crap receptionist and I remember saying to my colleague it looks like that plane is going to fly into that building and it happened Mm. and what i know is that day changed my life Mm. because i remember thinking on that day we there was the company i worked for we had a site in there Mm. and so we lost colleagues in that tragedy and i remember that day thinking i will not will not live my life in a way that I have the ability to lose it doing something that I know mm-hmm. is not what I'm about. Yeah. I knew the world had changed. I knew yeah. my life had changed. And it was one of the most, it was, it was the defining thing for me too, yeah. for, for that period of time. Yeah. Nothing stands out. Was, yeah. um, let's wrap up, guys. You have a book. Tell us about your book briefly. Yes. It's a book called Think Like a White Man. It's written by me and a guy called Dr. Boulay Whitelaw, who you would never, ever meet because it doesn't really exist and um yeah Ooh. it's it's a book about being black in the court it's a book about being black in the corporate world it's a satirical self-help book everything you could want to possibly know about being black in the corporate world is covered in here get your career on track and not your career or your week pushed back Thank you. <laughs> i love that i love that bar um listen nick nels and marisa thanks for joining me on this week's podcast thanks um, for having us 
Don't forget to subscribe to us if you haven't already. We're on YouTube here. Subscribe to the friend, tell your mum, tell your dad, tell somebody. We're across all the socials as well, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're a podcast on Acast and Spotify as well. Until next week, peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.